Hey listeners, I recently launched an ad-free Serial Napper feed so that you can enjoy the podcast without interruptions. Elevate your Serial Napper listening experience by joining my Patreon community and get yourself an ad-free feed on Spotify. For just $2 a month, you can become a member today and unlock ad-free episodes while still supporting the podcast. It's super easy. Just visit Serial Napper on your Spotify app and click the button at the top that says exclusive episodes for subscribers. Don't use Spotify for your listening? No problem. Just visit patreon.com slash Serial Napper to get your episodes ad-free and enjoy uninterrupted storytelling while you get your naps in. Mother's Day is almost here. Have you found that truly special sentimental gift for your mom yet? Don't worry, I got you. MyLifeInABook.com is a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. And then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature And MyLifeInABook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges that she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your children can treasure forever. Your mom has given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I loved this idea so much that I've started my own My Life in a Book for my children to have. The thought of my son and daughter being able to learn about my life story as they grow into their own adulthood is truly special. It's been an enjoyable journey of self-reflection for me too, with questions like, which one event made the greatest impact on your life? It's brought back memories I didn't even know I had. I love it, and I know your mother will too. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SERIALNAPPER for 10% off today. Hey everyone, my name is Nikki Young and this is Serial Napper, an international true crime podcast. I'm sick guys, so I am just going to give you a little disclaimer here that my voice is probably a little bit crackly and I probably sound like I have a pound of snot in my nose and that's because I do. So I'm really going to try my best here (laughs) because I really want to get this episode out, Um, but just to let you know, like that's probably why I sound so crappy it's because I also feel pretty crappy. Anyway, with all that said, you all remember the TV show Wife Swap, right? It was super popular when I was growing up. The premise of the show was that two very different family dynamics would swap the matriarch of the family for a week. They would follow the host family's rules for the first half of the swap and then the new wife would implement new rules the second half of the show. It basically allowed the families to see how other American families operated and maybe find some new ways and new rules that they could adapt into their own household. 
I always found it to be pretty interesting to watch play out because they always picked these two families who could not possibly be any more different from each other. Tonight, we're going to talk about one family in particular that was featured on Wife Swap, the Stockdale family, who lived a very restrictive lifestyle, seriously. One of the boys in the family, Jacob Stockdale, would go on to kill his mother and his younger brother in cold blood. And after seeing how the Stockdales parented their children, you're probably going to wonder if maybe this could have been avoided. Was this all a case of nurture or was Jacob always destined to kill? Let's talk about it. In 2008, the Stockdale family appeared on the show Wife Swap. At the time of the airing of Wife Swap, the family consisted of mom and dad, Tim and Kathy, along with their six boys, Calvin, who was 19, Charles, who was 16, Jacob, who was 15, and James, just 11 years old. It was pretty clear right from the beginning of the episode that this wasn't your typical family unit. The parents were incredibly strict, as in they had some of the craziest house rules I've ever seen. And we'll definitely get into that, but crazy rules aside, they were a really close-knit family, even playing together in their very own bluegrass family band. Calvin played the banjo, Charles played mandolin, Jacob played fiddle, and James played upright bass. Tim, the father and head of household, played the guitar, while mom Kathy was the band manager. The family lived in a very rural area of Northeast Ohio, and they said they moved out that way to get away from all of the sin of the city, like violent language, sexual influences, drinking, smoking, drugs, and rap music. Yes, rap music. The Stockdales were said to be very religious, which usually does go hand in hand with strict rules. But beyond that, the boys were very sheltered away from the rest of society. They were homeschooled, which in itself is completely fine, but things like TV, video games, dating, and just about every other element of the outside world was strictly forbidden. The thought behind this was that these things made people lazy and would ruin their young minds. But don't take it from me, I'll let Mama Kathy tell you herself how she liked to run her home. The Stockdale Family Band has been around for about three years playing for the public. I sell CDs, I manage the finances. We moved out to the farm to develop wholesome values in our children. We do not allow any cussing. Aw, rats. I think that dating has uh, physical dangers like pregnancy. It's not worth it. It's important we have control over their character and their education. Their family motto, it might be a hard life, but it's a good life. I don't really want to bash these parents at all because I'm sure in some way all of this actually came from a place of love and just wanting their children to grow up well. I'm positive that none of these rules were intended to be malicious or to do any harm to their children. They likely wanted the best for them and they did what they believed was right. Mom, Kathy Stockdale, was described as a loving mother, grandmother, daughter, sister, aunt, friend, and mentor. She was also a devout Christian, which is where a lot of these ideas around parenting seem to stem from. She was a stay-at-home mom who not only managed the household, but also managed the band. You'd see her at all of the bluegrass concerts, cheering on her family, and selling CDs and other merch. 
This kept her quite busy because the Stockdale Family Band was actually really popular and doing really well. They performed not only in Ohio, but in many other states around the country as well, and they were great at it. They had even competed and won in several different competitions. The family toured and performed so much that it was rare for them to have a weekend off to relax. Now, when the family wasn't performing at these various bluegrass concerts, there were many chores to be done around the house. And of course, chores are important for children, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with kids contributing to the upkeep of their households. But what was a little strange was the token system that was used as part of their chores. The boys would receive tokens for every chore they did, and they'd even get an extra token if they did it with a quote-unquote glad heart. Meaning they did it with a smile, they didn't complain, and they stayed positive while doing it. So far, so good. But then they could trade their tokens in for privileges like listening to the radio or for a stick of gum, which to me sounds like very basic things, but again, different strokes for different folks. If they do trade in their tokens for a bit of TV, a movie, or the radio... They were allowed to choose something from a selection that mom Kathy had already pre-vetted. So you can only imagine what kind of options they may have had. They probably didn't have much of a choice at all. It was probably still very religion-based, nothing that may be deemed as provocative. Processed foods were strictly forbidden from the home, and because they lived on a farm, they were pretty much able to eat farm-to-table. And the boys, well, they were very active in the process of raising animals as well as butchering them. And I have nothing bad to say here, just that their experience growing up would have been quite different from many of their peers. One of the biggest shocks to me was that there was no dating allowed. They had a 19-year-old son at the time living in the house who wasn't even allowed to hang out with females. Dating was to be delayed until they were actually ready to get married and settle down with the girl, which in my opinion sounds like an uphill battle fighting against nature. It's perfectly normal for a teenage boy to be thinking of girls, but the Stockdale family saw this as sinful. At one point in the episode, Kathy talks about how 16-year-old Charles has asked about dating and how her and her husband have had to tell him that it's not a good idea to do it until they're married. According to Kathy, teenagers can suffer emotional traumas or even diseases by focusing their lives on dating too early. I remember wasting so much of my time on dating that now I look back, it just seems so pointless. When they have established themselves, then they can go out looking, but not until then. Now, a typical day in the Stockdale family has mom Kathy getting up at 7 a.m. to begin cooking breakfast for the family. Dad, Tim, gets up to work on the farm at 5.30 a.m., so Kathy always makes sure to prepare breakfast for him the evening before, which is really sweet. Once breakfast is made, the boys are woken up to eat around 7.30 a.m. Now, here's an interesting twist. The boys have four minutes from the time they're woken up to get downstairs and eat their breakfast. This is a strict four minutes, and Kathy sets a timer so that she knows when the four minutes has passed. If the boys aren't at the table eating when they're supposed to, if they're not having breakfast on time, she gives them two more minutes to arrive and she charges them 25 cents for being late. If they continue being late, she increases the charge every two minutes until they come to the table. 
again, I'm not shaming her for doing this. It's important for kids to learn the importance of being on time. I'm just saying it's unconventional. Now, homeschooling begins right after breakfast and their morning chores. At 10 a.m., mom Kathy rings a bell outside to let them know that it's time for school. After an hour of homeschooling, the boys are then sent to do their outdoor chores, which includes letting the chickens out, feeding them, and picking up their eggs, as well as mowing the fields. Lunch is then served at approximately 1 p.m. There's no snacking allowed between meals, whether it be between breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner, so the boys always finish their plate so that they don't get hungry later. After lunch, the boys get together and practice their music. At 4 p.m., the boys have their debate lesson, and then school is let out for the day and it's time for evening chores, including processing the chicken and any other farm duties. In the evenings, the family will either have a concert to play at, and if they don't have a concert that evening, they'll usually spend it together practicing their music before bedtime. So as you can see, they live a very busy, very structured life. Not a whole lot of downtime, not a whole lot of room for change or movement. I thought it was important to give some insight into this family dynamic before we jump into what happened that fateful day, just because one always does have to wonder if this would have happened if things were different. Now, the murders happened in 2017, so this was several years after the Wife Swap episode aired. Now, at this time, the family looked a little bit differently as the boys had grown up. The two eldest sons, Kelvin and Charles, they had both moved out of the home. They had quit the band and they were moving on with their own lives. I believe they were married, at least one of them was, and had children because Kathy was described as a loving grandmother. And I just have to kind of assume based upon their upbringing. Now, the two younger boys, there was 25-year-old Jacob and 21-year-old James still living at the home and on the farm. James was also a sophomore business management major at Kent State University. According to his brothers, he wanted to pursue this career path so that he could maybe one day manage the band. My family is getting ready to make a big move across the ocean to a place where English isn't the spoken language. This isn't my first rodeo, so... I'm making sure I'm fully prepared by learning the language ahead of time. Sure, I know I can use an app once I get there, but you'd be shocked by how much gets lost in translation. I want to talk like a local, which is why I'm excited to use Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn and has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and more. Rosetta Stone helps you to think in the language you're learning using an intuitive process that's designed for long-term retention. Their built-in True Accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation so that you're easily understood by native speakers. They have convenient desktop and app options, so you can learn on the go, and they offer a lifetime membership that includes all 25 languages at an incredible value. And now you can save even more with 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Serial Napper listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today today. Sunnier, warmer days are almost here. Why not get a head start on looking and feeling your best this summer by trying something new like Factors No Prep, No Mess meals that are ready to eat in just two minutes? Get a helping hand to meet your wellness goals with Factors chef-crafted meals that include different nutritional options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Healthy meal planning has never looked so good with Factors fresh, never-frozen meals that are also dietitian approved No matter how busy you are, Factor can help kickstart and maintain a new healthy routine by making it easy to enjoy nutritious meals on the go. Plus, you'll never get bored eating the same thing every day because they offer 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. We're talking restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon because eating healthy doesn't have to be boring. Personally, I love not having to overthink what I'm going to eat every single day because that's half the battle, and I don't have to bother with shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. But the best part is, these meals are delicious with ingredients you can trust. Crush your wellness goals this May. Head to factormeals.com slash napper50 and use code napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code napper50 at factormeals.com slash napper50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. On June 15, 2017, Stark County Police received a 911 call from the Stockdale residence at around 4.36 p.m., which resulted in a hang-up. So whoever had made the call had hung up the phone when 911 picked up. So per protocol, authorities dispatched police to the location of the call, the Stockdale farm, just to ensure that everything was okay. When they arrived, it became very clear that everything was not okay. Now, here's a portion of the police statement that was given by Sheriff George T. Mayer, which speaks to the scene at which they were arriving at. It says, At about 4.36 p.m., our office received a 911 call from the residence. It was a landline call, not a cell phone call. It was a hang-up call. At that time, after we received the hang-up call, which we do on a number of cases on a daily basis, we responded deputies to the residence. Upon arrival at the residence, the deputies noticed that the front door was open. As they approached the house, they saw what they believed to be someone lying on the floor. They gave verbal commands, and there was no response. And at that time, there was a gunshot that went off. After the gunshot went off, they tactically approached the house. When some backup arrived, they discovered that the suspect, Jacob Stockdale, had attempted suicide and shot himself when they arrived. They also discovered two victims in the home. Both were deceased as a result of a gunshot wound. Neighbors said that they heard between 10 and 12 shots between 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. that day. 
Jacob Stockdale had put a shotgun to his own head and pulled the trigger as deputies arrived on the scene, which was after he had killed his mother, Kathy, and his younger brother, James. Kathy's body would be found upstairs in a bathroom, where James' body was located near the front door. Jacob laid nearby with a self-inflicted gunshot wound, but he was alive. He was sent to the Cleveland hospital, listed in critical condition, but he did survive his suicide attempt. When this went out to the media, the community was shocked. Friends recalled seeing the family together just a week earlier at a musical gathering where everything seemed to be fine and everyone appeared happy. Nobody who knew the family could understand why or how something so horrific like this could happen. Well, I suppose not everyone was shocked. When the news broke about the double homicide, Lori Tonkovic, which was the wife that swapped places with Kathy and wife swap, she came forward and gave a statement. She said, When I switched the rules and I was going to let them have fun and have television and video games and experience life a bit, Jacob ran outside crying. And when I went out after him, I asked what was wrong, and he said that his mom and dad tell him that basically he would burn in hell. He lived in a very controlled environment, really wasn't allowed to do anything. He worked, he worked, he worked, homeschooled him, wouldn't let him go out among society. They're very religious. They weren't allowed to make choices. I just think that it caught up to them. And of course, everyone is entitled to their opinion. Though I will say, Lori wasn't the most perfect mom on the show either. Of course, for the show, they picked two very polarizing families, complete opposites. So if the Stockdale family was on the very strict religious end of things, it appeared as if Lori just let her kids do whatever they wanted to do without any responsibilities. She had two teenagers and her teenage kids had boyfriends and girlfriends living in the home, sharing beds and everything. So obviously having premarital sex, none of the kids in the house had jobs or contributed to the family in any way. They didn't do chores. They didn't really do much of anything. And all of this could just be the way that Wife Swap portrayed these two families in the most extreme of ways. So it's difficult to tell where the truth lies here. Now, Calvin Stockdale, the eldest brother, he released this statement regarding the murder of his mother and little brother. He said, James, our youngest brother, has always been a catalyst of family fun. Aside from being a gifted musician, James enjoyed dancing and had an innate love of people. James was working on a business degree and hoped to go into the business side of entertainment. He leaves behind many friends and a family that loved him dearly. My brother Jacob is still in critical condition and we are praying for his physical recovery as our family makes funeral plans and begins the healing process. Now, while in the hospital, Jacob had to undergo a ton of reconstructive surgery and other surgeries because he had a ton of brain trauma from the self-inflicted gunshot wound. It took some time for him to heal and to be released from the hospital, but once he was, he was charged with two counts of murder, and he entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. While awaiting trial, he was admitted into a mental institution for treatment, and he tried to escape twice. In November 2019, he allegedly tried hiding between book stacks in the mental hospital's library, leaving staff concerned that he was actually trying to find a way to the exit of the building. 
Then a month later, he tried blending in with a group of people who were on their way out the door, but he was caught again. Later on, I think he just sort of gave the whole thing up and he decided to plead guilty to the two murder charges and he received a 15-year sentence for each murder, making it a 30-year jail sentence to be served consecutively. Jacob has never said why he did it or what his motive was, but his family has since forgiven him, even asking the judge to give him the lightest sentence possible. Even the father and head of household, Tim, he wasn't home at the time of the killings. He lost his son and his wife, but he has forgiven Jacob while also honoring Kathy. He went on to say she loved nothing more than being a mother and grandmother. She had a strong love of learning, was passionate about her Christian faith, natural health, and organic farming. Uh, okay, I mean, that does seem a little bit cold to me, but, you know, I mean, I'm just going to leave it at that. And I think I'll end this episode by saying, no matter how hard we try to do good for our children, to raise them properly, to keep them safe from evil in the world or perceived evil, we can't protect them from everything, including mental illness, which unfortunately sounds like the key player here. Would Jacob have murdered if not raised in such a restrictive household? It's not something that we'll ever have the answer to, unfortunately, but he did have three other brothers who are raised in the exact same household who didn't go on to kill anyone. And at the same time, there are other people who grew up in households where, you know, they played video games, they watched horror movies, they listened to rap music and whatever else, and they didn't go on to murder anyone. So sometimes it's nurture, sometimes it's nature, and sometimes it's the perfect storm of both. That's it for me tonight. I'd love to hear what you think about this particular case because it's really an interesting story of nature versus nurture. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook at Serial Napper. You can also search for me on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you're on Twitter, check me out at Serial underscore Napper, or I'm on YouTube, Nikki Young, Serial Napper, all one word. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give me a thumbs up, like, subscribe. Until next time, don't be a Dahmer. Bye.